on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV Cable 20. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I, I think I'm pretty with these old boots on. I think it's funny when I drink too much. You try and change me, you can go to hell. Cause I don't wanna be nobody else. I like the chip I got in my front teeth. And I got bad tattoos you won't believe. So, kick out the jams, kick up soul. Pour another glass of that rock and roll. Turn up the band, find the whole gonna lose control tonight. What do you want from me? I'm not. <laughs> good morning. It's good to be back with you this morning. I mean, my first job was to press the on button on the microphone. I didn't get that right, but I'm sure it's all uphill from here. Hello. Um, had a couple weeks off, was anxious to get back and uh, get back to work here with you guys. So thanks to Jeff Pickle uh, and to everyone who uh, helped fill in while I was gone. Um, should be noted because I think it's a, I think this is a first and I think we should note firsts. I think we should. That this morning, your 570, right now this morning, uh, your 570 news team on your talk side of the station is an all-female cast. Dana Olford is uh, doing the technical production. Aaron Anderson is doing uh, the um, content production. And here we are, ladies kicking out glass ceilings. That's what's happening here this morning. You know what we should do, girls? We should team up after this and we'll all walk out there and like burn our bras and ask for a raise. I mean, I'm down. You know, I just came back. They're not going to fire me day one, are they? <laughs> um, okay, so big news about this show that happened uh, last week while I was gone. So we're definitely going to try to talk about that uh, coming up because I've had lots of emails and questions from you guys about what's happening. So uh, we will talk about what's happening. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. If you're what, can you see my black eye? on? Can you see it on the television screen, Deanna? From, you can't see it? I've, I, I did it. Uh, I kind of tried to put cover up on it. Um, I do have a black eye. If you can see it on television, sorry, um, that I got when I was on holiday. It was a little bit of a tubing accident with my youngest son. Um, The hardest part of his head hit the softest part of my face while we were tubing behind a boat. And um, it hurt. It hurt a lot. Uh, And I had a vicious shiner. For, for most of my vacation, um, which I guess is good because, you know, you're on vacation, so who cares? But what happens when you have a black eye is uh, you forget you have a black eye until you're like, why is everybody staring at me? What is going on? And I don't know. I don't know if it's kind of, I think it's a bad thing. I've decided it's a bad thing that everybody assumes if you have a black eye, everybody assumes someone punched you in the face. Like, there are a lot of ways to get a black eye. As a matter of fact, that was my fifth black eye in my life. And nobody ever punched me in the face. It was all accidents, uh, like, you know, hockey or sports or something like that. And um, this one was a tubing accident. And the same child, 
if I can just complain for a couple minutes. The same child who gave me the black eye on day one of vacation, accidentally, we don't need to assign blame, was the child who broke my nose on my birthday when he was two and gave me two black eyes. So, it you know, I'm just going to stay away from him, I think, is what I... I'm just going to, maybe he's the one that, you know, needs a new home. I'm just kidding. You can stay. Um, so I, yeah, it's good that you can't see it on television. I was a little stressed about that. Um, nobody punched me in the face. The, but the good thing was when I was on holidays, so that's a bad thing. Everybody thinks someone punched you in the face. But the good thing was that a couple times in public, somebody asked me, like, are you okay? Is there, do you need any help? People kind of intervened, which I thought was good about the human condition. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, a, a guy in Waterloo Region who just paid $45,000 for a comic book. Obviously, it's a rare comic book, but I want to know if you collect anything. Do you guys collect anything? Jennifer at 570news.com. Like, what do you what do you collect? And are you, is this a serious thing? Like, would you pay $45,000 for a single item of something you collect? Send me those emails, and we'll talk about that coming up. We're going to talk about a new uh, grief support group that is focused on families affected by substance abuse. That's on the way um, in just a couple minutes. And uh, we're going to talk about this scandal uh, at the Vatican, people calling for the Pope to resign. Uh, We'll get to that for you, too, and news about the show. Yes. Okay, busy show, busy people. Let's get right to it. The province has announced uh, it'll be making changes. (sighs) to Ontario's math curriculum, and some of those changes are expected to come just after the beginning of the new school year, and uh, parents will have a say in what their kids are taught. I saw somebody in in regards to the sex ed curriculum. Oh, it was Joel Rubinoff in the record who wrote a great uh, column about why do we need to be consulted about how what our kids are being taught i'm i'm not a psychologist i'm not a math wizard i'm not a like aren't shouldn't we leave it to the experts to decide what our kids should be taught cuz cuz they're experts and speaking of experts we are joined this morning by the founder and ceo of the math guru vanessa vicaria who has been on the program before and was such a burst of energy we just couldn't wait to have her back hi vanessa how you doing oh hi what a lovely introduction well, I mean, it was so much fun with you it last time so and the fun. way you're changing how kids learn. And I just am so invigorated by the work you do. And you can hear it when the passion in your voice about how invigorated you are um, by the work you do. So give the, everybody a bit of your backstory, though, because I love the fact that you uh, <laughs> you didn't know you were a math guru. Yes. Okay. So quick background and why I'm so passionate is because I actually failed math twice in high school. So grade 11 math. I don't know if everyone else hated it, but I did. I failed it twice. I was totally taught that I was more of an artsy person because I'm in a band and I wanted to be the next Britney Spears who doesn't. And so everyone was kind of like, oh, it makes sense that you're not good at math. So my parents, not having my pop star dreams, were like, "Mm, we're going to try a different school and a different approach. I had the most amazing teacher. I ended up getting a 99 in math that year. I went on to get 100% in first-year university calculus, and it just changed my life. Like I was like, there's something really wrong with a system that teaches us that we're innately capable of something or not. 
And, so that's kind of where I started. Yeah. And it's so true. I mean, I, I failed more than I think just grade 11 math, but I, you're right. You kind of were assigned this. Yep. You're artsy. You're good at drama. Yeah. You're good at, at, you know, kind of, um, th- those type of things. And you, and we all bought into it, especially as females. Well, it totally is females. And especially because our society is so bent on categorizing, like it makes it easier for people to be like, right brain, left brain. Like, you you know what I mean? Like you want that easy answer. You see it with like gender all the time. Like not that we're going to get right into that, mm-hmm. but like, right. It, it's so confusing for people to reconcile. They just need this category in this box. And I think now, like I'm in a rock band and we've been touring for years and I'm a math teacher and own a math tutoring center and have a master's in math ed. So I'm proof that you can be anything you want to be. And those categories are complete nonsense. You must get some interesting looks at the rock concerts when people say, what's your day job? Oh, my God. It's just, well, I, what I love is when people are like, oh, my God, but you don't look like a math teacher. And you just look at them and you say, what is that supposed to look like? Yeah, what does you that know? mean? And, what does that mean? And they're like, uh, and you're like, yeah, okay, exactly. Great. Like you watch Mean Girls like one too many times. <laughs> Let's chill out. <laughs> okay. So you, you're talking about um, Premier Ford's kind of crazy plan to revamp this math <laughs> curriculum in less than in less than two weeks. I mean, it's obviously we could go way down the rabbit hole on that one, but let's talk specifically about the math yeah. curriculum here. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of things that I think we need to talk about. So first okay. of all, let's talk about, um, let's talk about this first, EQAO, because every okay. kind of teacher that I speak to, like secretly, w- will whisper to me, I hate it. It's awful. I do- this is t-, but they're like, yeah. don't ever use my name. I can't be held responsible. <laughs> and I get it, right? I mean, um, there's a union and all that jazz. But it's been around for 1995. We did it for the first time in our house. We had two grade three. We have two grade three uh, kids this last year. And uh, okay. I'm going to tell you, it was hellacious because my two normally not, not anxious kids went spiraled into anxiety mm. and it was the worst. Okay. Well, that's so first you bring up such a good point that let's just start with that. I mean, at first, first let's just for everyone out there who's like, what is this EQAO? Like, let's talk about what it is. Cause I think part of everything that's going on right now is there's just no information. People are just picking up headlines as usual. And then just like running with it because we're also upset with the state of math in schools, which we should be, but we're not aiming our anger and our action at the right things. So EQAO is a standardized test for grade threes and grade sixes to assess who is meeting the provincial standards. So first thing everyone needs to know, meeting the provincial standards means getting a 75 or higher. It doesn't mean passing. So I think that's the first issue. So so think about it this way. So, you know, the EQA started in 1995. It's going on and on. A discovery math, which we'll get into later, was introduced in 2005. And from 2006 to 2010, scores rose. Okay, so if we're going to put any weight on these scores, they rose. And the scores for grade threes were 68 to 71. Like we went from 68% of kids to 71% of kids meeting this provincial standard. So think about it. 71%, that's more than two-thirds of our kids, are getting a 75 or higher that is completely reasonable, right? Like, first of all, right? But people are reading these stats being like, oh my God, like, oh my God, oh my God, like 60 something percent of kids are, are passing and everyone else is failing. No, like we're talking about yep. two thirds of our kids getting yep. 75 or higher, which honestly really, really makes sense. That's a good average. Like that's something we should be happy about. Sure. Now, sure, scores have been slowly decreasing. And by slowly, I mean like literally a percentage point a year. 
um, since 2011. And sure, I mean, that's not great, but it doesn't mean, I think, what everyone thinks it means. Like, again, it's one percentage point, and we're talking about meeting the provincial standard. We're not talking about all of a sudden droves of kids are failing math. That's just not happening at all. So everyone's kind of like, oh, my God, the EQAO, like, blah. You know, it's, it's A, proving that discovery math sucks. That's the number one argument. And then, B, the second argument is it's a horrible test. Now, yeah, like, it's standardized testing. So if we're going to base our, you know, our views of how kids are doing on this one standardized test, that's a huge problem because you just hit the nail on the head. What happens with a standardized test? Increased anxiety. We all know that increased anxiety leads to poor testing. And I mean, that's just one thing to just point out right off the bat. Yeah. We're not evaluating kids in their classroom and based on this and that. It's this one standardized test that most kids get very nervous for. They're in grade three taking their first standardized test. Like, it's not going to be reflective of how much these kids know. Yeah. Okay. And 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 and, um, and I think it's like transferred anxiety too. You know, like nobody, mm-hmm. everybody seems to get so worked up over it mm-hmm. um, because no matter how many times you tell a kid, it's it's just it doesn't affect your no. yeah. you know grade or whatever. But I, and I and I and I think the big kids kind of like to use it to scare them. And anyway, yeah. I just it just doesn't seem to be. Um, it doesn't. But I, the other argument, I suppose, is well, you gotta, you have to have a measuring system. Yep. You know, yeah, and I think that's that's part of the thing is revising the measuring system. So I think two things like a putting less pressure on the measuring system, but then also kind of devising a better one. There's there are a lot of issues with the EQAO in that like, and I mean I'm not saying that this happens, but there's a lot of talk of a lot of teachers focusing on teaching to this test because it's reflective of how they were doing as teachers. So they end up focusing on the EQAO and these students are kind of missing important time to be learning the main concepts they need throughout the year to just be focusing on this test, which yep. isn't really useful. And then B or teachers kind of just being like, here's the EQAO, like go just do, that do it. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And then, you know, and again, it's a different type of testing. A lot of that multiple choice kids, like you don't really get tested multiple choice wise in math. That doesn't no. really happen. Right. So it's a totally t- different type of testing process. Like, you know, from going to university or even being in high school, how hard multiple choice can be because it's a completely different skill set. Mm-hmm. So yep. again, like not exactly the best measure. It causes just like a lot of uproar and it's just not interpreted properly. Our guest is uh, Vanessa Vicaria. She's the founder and CEO of The Math Guru. Go give her a a follow on uh, Twitter and and have a look at what she does because it's completely fascinating and it's changed uh, minds and and, uh, success when it comes to math. Okay, Vanessa, what is discovery math? Because I think the problem is we don't even know what that is. What is discovery math? (laughs) That is the problem. Okay, so here, I'm going to give you an example and this is going to explain it all. So basic math would be like, Hey guys, guess what? When you add two numbers, no matter what order you add them in, you get the same answer. So one plus two and two plus one still equals three. That is basic math. There's a rule for you to follow. Discovery math would be like, you give kids a list of questions, like one plus two, two plus one, three plus four, four plus three, and let them figure out, oh my gosh, whenever I'm doing these questions, no matter what what, what order the numbers are in, I'm getting the same answer. That leads me to come up with this rule. So Basic math is like you're telling them the rule, discovering math, they're discovering the rule. They're both super important because how cool is it for you as a kid to feel like you figured this little mystery out on your own and now you're going to remember it. But also, it's important to know the rule, just like you need to know your times tables, but also kind of like figure out what it means to multiply. Yeah. Like all good yeah. stuff. Yeah. The problem is it's like 
what's going on is a people don't know what discovery math is and they they want something to blame and b like i'm in no way being like the curriculum's fine leave it absolutely not you know there are a lot of issues but there have been issues forever like think back to when you were in school or your parents were in school did they love math just because they were being taught basic math mm-hmm. oh, no right so like you know <laughs> the government's kind of like oh you teach them their times tables every everything would be fine it's like but our parents knew their times tables and they got taught that way and most of them hate math most of the adults i know have like ptsd from their math class you yeah. know so yeah totally you're solution. and you're and and you're your um you know uh, theory is it that we just have to stop blaming discovery math that that it, this is giving kids you know, like you said, it's critical thinking and, and we can use both approaches. It's not like you're saying yes. the rules of math are now fluid. It's not like exactly. somebody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, so the issue is, you know, the, you know, the ministry and said for it are like, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend a year consulting parents. We're going to by next year, we're going to have this whole new curriculum. It's going to be great. OK, problem number one. That's not how it works. It takes tons and tons of time. Like, we don't want to be changing the curriculum every year. We need to finally figure out what is going on. Why have kids hated math for decades and decades? Why aren't they learning math? Why aren't they inspired? Number one, so that's going to take time. Number two, they need resources. I don't know how many kids I've tutored that will come to these sessions with me and be like, I'll be like, where's your textbook? And they're like, yeah, we don't have textbooks yet that are meeting. meeting. And they have all these worksheets everywhere. And you're like, oh, my God, as a kid, how could you feel mentally organized, right? Yeah. So those need to catch up. But then the other thing is, in the meantime, because obviously we don't have time for all this, he's decided, sorry, not to like point blame. Oh, you can go ahead and blame, girl. I'm uh, yep, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know, but the idea is, okay, don't worry, guys. In the next two weeks, we're going to provide a compendium to teachers, which is going to be a package that's like, hey, guys, you know how you've been prepping your lessons and really finally trying to understand the curriculum and like teach? Well, now you're just going to have to change some stuff. And oh, sorry, there's only a week and a half till school starts. So good luck. Like, can you imagine? Well, no, not at all. And it's yeah, I mean, it seems like (laughs) these poor teachers, right? Because also, too, part of the big thing is like a lot of these teachers as much as they try and as great as they are, they're not trained in math. Okay, we don't we don't require mm. our elementary teachers to be trained in math. So they're trying to just do the best they can. And for a lot of them, that means like, all right, reading the curriculum, figuring out the lesson beforehand, and they need to be super organized because they can't think on the fly. Because you know they, they're they're not mathematicians, and it makes some of them, most of them, not most, a lot didn't like math either and never understood. Right. Yeah. So you're taught, we're just, and and I'm running out of time, Vanessa, as I do every time I talk to you. No, are you kidding? I love it so much. But, and that's your, the basic theory from you here is, and I love it so much, is we just got to blow up all the thinking when it comes to, like, find out why we hate math, why we have been, uh, you know, put into those kind of categories. You're either good at it or you're not. And you do all that. So uh, just tell everybody where to find you, please, because I think you could, you're a life changing, I, cried uh-huh. at the table so many times with my father who tried yes, his best it's emotional it's emotional yeah. though right for so many people <clears throat> okay so you can find me at themathguru.ca and all socials at themathguru but more excitingly i'm putting out a book it's coming out on september 11th and it's it's like i foresaw this i wrote it it's been like in publication for a year with scholastic it's called math hacks and it's a, like a holistic approach to math so it's tons of tips of like how to actually do your homework properly, how to get over this idea of being a math person. But then there's all the concepts. So like how to do bad math, fractions, multiplications in ways that are like my favorite ways that I think anyone can understand when you're really freaking out and struggling and you don't understand in class or at home, any parent, teacher, or kid, 
can pick this up and be like, it's not that bad. And it's like basically me pep talking you the whole time. Cause I think part of the problem is the problem with math isn't always math. It's all of the stuff me and you have been talking yep. about. Confidence. Yeah. 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 Uh, Vanessa Vicaria is the founder and CEO of the math bureau and a rock star. What's the name of the band? <laughs> Good night, Sunrise. Follow okay. us on Spotify. I'm going to go find you. <laughs> Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you. Have such a good day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can all relate to that, can't we? Is there crying at your table? So much crying. And my father, God love him, was just trying his best. It was me, like, <gasps> hyperventilating. I know. It's dramatic to say the very least. Okay, we got to go. We got to go. We got to roll. It's day one and I'm still on vacay time. We are going to uh, come back and we are going to talk uh, to, after the news at 9.30, Jamie Bickerton. She is uh, the executive director of Bereaved Families of Ontario Midwestern Region. She'll be in studio. We're going to talk about living with loss specifically for individuals impacted by drug or alcohol related deaths. 570 News. When extreme weather hits, count on the 570 Extreme Weather Center. Okay, so just a quick tease. While I was on holidays, I had so many messages from people that I had to do a public post. It's on Twitter. I think I pinned it on Twitter, at Jen Campbell 77 Truth, I am leaving 570 News. Fake news, I got fired. I know. Some of you are sad about that. (laughs) We're going to talk about that coming up, about uh, why I have chosen to uh, kind of return to my roots. I'll tell you about that on the way. And again, news next at 930. And then after that, we've got a great guest in studio who's going to talk about um, what it is like to live with loss on families affected by substance abuse. Because there's a lot of blame there, isn't it? Isn't there? There's a lot of... Uh, a difference, I suppose, when someone dies by, by substance abuse as when they die from, you know, natural causes or a, an illness. It's a, it's a big difference. And we're going to talk to Jamie Bickerton, who is the executive director of the Bereaved Families of Ontario, after the news next at 9.30. Making your smart speaker even smarter. Alexa, play 570 News. Playing 570 News. at 9.33. Thank you for coming back with us on Rogers Television and on 570 News. Um, yes, I'm going to address the what's happening with you on 570 News. That'll come up after uh, about 9.45 or so. Um, so, always love to have guests in the studio with us because it's kind of a different conversation than having a guest on the phone, which is also wonderful, just different. Um, Jamie Bickerton is the Executive Director of Bereaved Families of Ontario, Midwestern Region. Uh, She's in studio with us this morning and we're going to talk about uh, a new living with loss grief support group that focuses on families affected by uh, substance use. So good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, And I can't tell you how... um, much the work you do means to families. I'm sure you hear it all of the time, but certainly um, from someone who sp- I spent a lot of time in, in palliative care with my mom. Okay, yep. And I was uh, pretty, well, I thought I was a grown up. I was like 25, but then you have some pretty monumental sh- realizations yes. after you lose someone. And so when I was reading um, about this living with loss grief support group, I was thinking to myself, Gosh, what a need for this because we struggle as a society to know how to um, 
try to comfort or try to support people who've lost someone under quote unquote normal circumstances. Right. So it must be it must be a completely different beast to to try and focus and understand what someone um, or how someone grieves when that person they've lost. Uh, was perhaps due to substance abuse. Absolutely. I think um, there's a lot of stigma attached to to that type of grief. Uh, There's a lot of, or there can be, I shouldn't make assumptions, but there can be some shame around the circumstances of the death. Um, Sometimes there's complicated relationships because there might have been an addiction leading up to the death that makes makes things a little bit more complicated um, when that person does Uh, pass away. So a lot of times families are hesitant to access support because they are afraid of having those conversations. They don't want to answer the questions that are being asked. Um, So it's really important for us to be able to create that environment where it's a safe space where they can have those conversations and get the support that they need. I remember feeling such shame wishing as I sat by my mother's bedside that it would just be over. Right. And later on, like, Knowing that that's the the emotion I was having and actually saying that out loud was really tough. And I would only, and I I mean, again, I'm going to assume that when you, like you said, when you're Mm -hmm. in a situation with someone you love who has uh, an addiction issue um, or is, um, you know, uh, suffering substance abuse, You've probably you've probably wished some things. I wish this sure. would go away. I would be easier if they would were were gone. Right. Those things. And I think those are questions that are sort of typical for a lot of people. Um and there's a lot of what ifs in those situations. What if I'd yeah. gotten to him or her sooner? What right. if I'd pushed harder? What if I tried harder? They're they're hard questions to grapple with, but that's that's the reality of unfortunately the situation. Yeah, you you talk about how um, you know grief is an isolating experience on its own. But when you when it's layered, and all all grief and all death is is complex. But when you kind of perhaps have that, I mean, survivor's guilt is what we know is is a thing. But when yeah. you, you're right, what if you what if I had not given them the money for that last? Right, it gets it gets to be overwhelming. It does. There's a, and I think that's where the guilt factor comes in and for this type of grief it's very prevalent for sure yeah so tell me about the about the group is this Mm -hmm. kind of like what this living with loss grief support Mm -hmm. um how did it come about and what kind of is it is it um is it a unique kind of group is it one of the first kind of um it it actually existed under a different name for almost three years, um, and it was run by two moms who'd experienced this type of loss in their lives. Um, but they're working working people. It, it was a volunteer gig for them, um, and they were looking for some capacity and support to be able to grow the group and make sure that it was accessible to more people. Um, so they approached us early in the year about taking it on under our support services. It was a perfect marriage made in heaven, yeah, to be honest, yeah. as um, we're a peer support organization. So all of our groups are run by facilitators who are themselves bereaved. Um, so it made a lot of sense for us to be able to offer this group and hopefully, like I said, grow it and make it more accessible because there isn't there isn't a group specific for this type of loss anywhere in this community wow. or we know Guelph and Wellington County as well. So... I is the um is the kind of prev- prevalent emotion is there a lot, is there a lot more anger is there a lot more anger 
in this situation where somebody has died because of addiction? I think I think so. And I think it's because it feels like a preventable death. And yeah. so there's a lot of that. Yeah. It's the what ifs we should have. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what do we say and do and um, for someone who is bereaved? And it's funny because I say that, you know, having that, those moments of losing my mom be yeah. so large in my brain and in my soul, right. but I still don't know. I'm still not good at comforting someone else, mm-hmm. except for reminding myself that sometimes I'm not there to comfort. I don't need to find something. I'm not going to make someone feel better. I just need to get in the hole with them. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And I think that is the best thing you can do for someone who's going through that experience is not try and fix them. You're not going to be able to do that, but just be in the space where you're there, you're listening. Um, Checking in on people is so important. After, like my mom and dad both died. And after that experience, it was the people who would just randomly call and say, how you doing? And that was all I needed. Yeah. Um, And talk about the person who died. That's so huge because there's a hesitation on the other person's part. They're uncomfortable. (laughs) They don't want to make you upset. But the person who's grieving is very much looking for that validation. And they want to talk about the person they're missing and share those stories. Yeah. So it's and and we do have this kind of overwhelming desire to to help or to fix. Yeah. And so the intention is really good. Yeah, for sure. But the execution isn't really good. And and I don't think yeah. anybody's really good at it. It's it's definitely a, a an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's worse to not say anything at sure. all. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> is it okay to kind of say, listen, I'm not good at this and I'm I'm not sure what to say, but I just want you to hear my voice and feel that I you know, feel that I'm right here. Is yeah. that okay to just say, I don't know what to say? Absolutely. I think okay. yeah. No, that's perfect, actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so talk about then um, what else you do at Bereaved Families, some of these services that you guys are offering and how people kind of get in contact with you. Is it people looking for you? Are you in hospitals uh, reaching out to people? Because um, I find that's changed a lot, too, in 15 or 20 years. For sure. Where those support systems seem to be better at rising up to meet people instead of people having to go find them. Well, we do our best to do the outreach so that people are aware that we're here. We get a lot of referrals from hospitals, hospice, um, different organizations who would be dealing with families um, who have been impacted by loss. Um, So we um, have a number of different programs. um, And as I mentioned before, they're mostly peer support programs. We have one uh, for parents who are grieving the death of an infant. Uh, We have one for parents who are grieving the death of a child. So those are both what we call closed programs where they have to register and then they go through an intake with us. Um, And then living with loss is actually broader than just the group for the substance um, use grief. So we have uh, groups twice a month in Kitchener and Cambridge and once a month in Guelph and Mount Forest. So those are drop in. You can come as often or as little as you want. There's different topics that they uh, tackle each, each session and they're offered in the evenings. So it's pretty, um, I mean, hopefully it's you know easy for people to, to get there and at the Family Center in um, Fisher. The Family Center is where we're offering the, the group for substance use. Okay. The other living with loss groups are offered in different locations. Okay. So all of that information is on our website. And the website is? BFOMidwest.org. Uh, obviously, this is a free of charge group. Yes. What if people want to kind of, because um, I imagine um, that perhaps it's quite therapeutic for 
for someone to um, turn their grief into being one of those peers you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, Being a facilitator is definitely part of the journey. Um, It allows you to give give back where you've received support in the past. Um, And you get to share your story. You get to support people along their journey. So it's definitely part of uh, part of the healing. Um, and and I mean, big, um, you kind of mentioned them already, but the, mm-hmm. the two moms, those moms who yeah. are leading this, um, Christine and, and Kim, I imagine yeah. that they uh, need some big shout outs because... Yeah, they're, they're amazing women. Um, yeah. As I said, they've been running the group already for a few years. They're dedicated, they're passionate, they're empathetic, uh, just wonderful people. And we're very lucky to be working with them. Jamie Bickerton is the Executive Director of Brave Families of Ontario, Midwestern Region. If you need more information on that and you need me to send along that website to you, uh, very happy to do so. You can go to uh, 570news.com or find me um, anywhere. Just Google. You'll find an email address that will reach me and uh, we'll get you in touch to get that support that you need. Jamie, thank you for the work you do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for uh, coming in this morning. It is 9.43 and we are back after this on 570 News. Take flight. With Canada's team. I want to fly. Follow the Toronto Blue Jays through all 162. That's way out of here. Every walk-off hit, every game-saving catch, every heart-pounding strikeout. 570 News, your home for Toronto Blue Jays baseball. We are back. Thanks for coming back with us. 947 on this uh, hot Monday. It's sticky in here. I'm not going to complain the whole time, I promise. Nothing ever happens when I complain about the temperature in here anyway. Ooh, that's complaining. Um, so I, when I was on holidays, I woke up to so many messages and emails uh, from you guys and from friends and colleagues about what was happening on 570 News because um, you started to hear announcements that Brian Burke would be doing uh, a new show called Kitchener Today that will be starting on September the 4th. <laughs> Producer Deanna is like, what? Don't throw me under the bus. Uh, I think it's September the 4th. Sorry. Um, so that does mean that I am uh, leaving 570 News and I got a lot of concerned emails about why and what happened and did they fire you? And here, well, I'll tell you a little secret about radio. If you get fired, they don't let you come back on the air <laughs> to do to kind of finish up, to wrap it all up because they're a little afraid about what you might say on the microphone. But clearly at 570 News, they're not afraid what I was going to say on the microphone because they keep putting me in front of a microphone, um, which is wonderful and I'm forever grateful for. But here's the truth. I, uh, I made the choice to go back full-time to my first love, uh, which is which is music radio and specifically country music radio. So I went to them uh, earlier this year and um, asked if I could do that, if I could go back. You guys know, I think that I do, I do the morning show on our sister station, for, uh, Country 106.7. I do that from 5 a.m. till 9 a.m. And then I kind of run down the hall. I mean, shouldn't be running, should not be running for various reasons. Um, And then I do this show 9 to 10. And this show uh, came about um, about 
it'll be, I guess it, was, it would be three years in February uh, because I wanted to try talk. And in that moment, I came to... Um, I came to my managers three years ago and said, I really want to try this talk show. I really want to try and do it. Um, and they said, okay. And they, and they let me do it, which was, I mean, I think it speaks big, big volumes about, um, Rogers and, uh, how they kind of support, um, they call us the talent. Sometimes that's debatable the the kind of uh, dreams and wishes of their talent. So I came to them and said, I want to do this show. And I, and I liked it. I did. I do love it. I like it very much. Uh, most days. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. I ain't never lied to you for the past two and a half years. Why start now? Uh, so I've learned so much during this time on talk radio. Uh, we've told some incredible stories. We've seen the best in human beings some days. We saw the worst too. And I won't lie to you, a lot of those days were pretty exhausting and pretty defeating. And I would take it home with me. I got better at not kind of taking it home with me as time went on. Um, but I certainly, I certainly still do take some of that home with me. Um, and so I have made the choice to go back. I went to them earlier this year, a few months ago, and said, I want to go back full-time to country radio. Um, there were some opportunities that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, we do a big program on Country 106.7 where we're in Nashville uh, for the CMA Awards every November. We're actually the only Canadian radio stations Rogers is at the CMA Awards um, or actually pretty much the only international media, I think. And I've got the chance to, to cover those CMA awards for all of our country brands, um, across this, across Canada, which has been an honor and, um, just a highlight of my career. And I love it. So I wanted to focus more on that. There's an opportunity to mentor some new talent, um, which I think is something that I really want to do. And I really want to kind of learn music programming. So I had these kind of goals and uh, I knew that I wanted to do them. And I kind of was putting them towards a timeline. And 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 I went to um, the management team and asked if I could if I could do that. And they said, Yes. And I mean, that is, again, I mean, to work in this business for a company that lets you say, hey, this is what I want to do. Uh, can we make it happen? And and they say, yes. I mean, gosh, in my case, all of the time they do. And that is a gift. It's not usual. Um, I know a lot of my colleagues who work in other places don't find that there's the investment in their employees. Um, even when I had my son, I said to this company, uh, I, I kind of want to keep working a little bit through a, what was going to be a mat leave. And they built me a studio in my house and let me keep working. So I just want everybody to know because I got a lot of people yelling terrible things about Rogers is Rogers is dumping you. I mean, they're, they're just not. And that's not... Um, does, it's not been my experience anyway. It's just not. I mean, they've been very good to me and very kind to me. And I appreciate you having my back and I appreciate you so much saying, this is terrible. I, that's lovely. Thank you so much. Um, as somebody said, why can't you move to the mid-afternoon? Well, because I do the, my main job in this building is to do the morning show from 5 a.m. till 9 a.m. on our sister station. That's my main gig. It's my, my kind of my true love. It's my roots music radio. And so I'm, I can't do two shows. And they did say, Hey, do you want to do, what do you want to do? And I said, I cannot do it all. I know this because when I try to do three things at once, 
it doesn't serve me well and it doesn't serve anybody else well. So I don't want to do three things mediocrely. I would like to do um, at least one thing very well. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Um, and you're very kind. You're very kind to send me all your messages. I just got one from our lovely um, uh, Ninja Witch. One of my favorite emailers, uh, which is lengthy, and I'll read after I'll read after we get off um, the air. But I promise you, they did not uh, they did not kick me out of here. Had they, I wouldn't be here with you right now. Now that being said, you are going to be in very good hands uh, with Mr. Brian Burke. Brian Burke, you know who is um, one of the best of the, in the biz. Uh, you know him from being on the radio here um, in Kitchener-Waterloo for years and years and years. Uh, he certainly is not one to hold back, and he certainly is not one to uh, be afraid of any topic. He certainly has um, done many things. He's going to have great stories for you, too. Most recently, of course, he's been a politician. Um, why does everybody leave radio and go into politics? Or real estate. They do real estate, too. (laughs) Um, So I just want to say this is our last week together. And um, so I I just wanted to say thank you and thank you for reaching out. And I did do one of those kind of like posts that's like a public post um, while I was on holidays, mostly because I was lazy. I was on vacation and I was getting messages and I was like, oh, I should answer all these emails. But I didn't want to because I was on vacation. So I literally wrote it from bed one morning. Uh, and the post again is, it's a public post and it is on Twitter at um, Jen Campbell 77. I think it's pinned. Should I look before I tell you that? I should look. Um, and I would like to also um, just say so many thank yous to, uh, uh, let me make sure that this, that I'm not lying to you. Yep, it's pinned. Um, so many thank yous to to you guys for listening to the stories. Um, and I hope that, um, I hope you heard something here on this show that made you uh, open your mind. I certainly had my mind open and my mind blown quite a few times. I hope that you uh, got angry about some of the talk. I know you got angry because you called me sometimes. Uh, I hope that your your heart evolved and grew. I hope that you you heard a story that we told and you and you said to yourself, "Wow, I've never really thought about it like that before." Um, I hope that you've been inspired to do something, to say something, to call out the, you know what, um, I will say this, um, the world is changing. I think the world is changing. The world is constantly evolving and changing. That's kind of what's making us spin. And it has felt like a lot over the past couple of years. There's a lot to carry. There's a lot happening. And sometimes if you're completely focused on just the headlines, you can get um, pretty dismayed pretty quickly. But uh, as I said in the post, in the wise words of Dolly Parton, if you want a rainbow, you got to put up with a little rain. And I think through the, through these these times and these storms of intolerance and injustice that we've seen, we've seen some pretty bright, bright rainbows too. We've seen uh, Me Too. We've seen people start telling their stories. We've seen um, wonderful things come out of some pretty dark places. Uh, so... I do believe that sharing stories and telling stories and our experiences is the way um, to evolve. That's what we've always done. 
as human beings. We've done it around campfires and we've done it uh, onto radio microphones and we've done it as we talk to our friends and family members and now into podcasts and, and things like that. So what's next? Not really that exciting because I'm literally just going back down the hall uh, to kind of where I belong. It's my passion. Uh, music radio is my passion and has been for 22 years. However, will I come back to talk radio? That just came in from Steve's. Totally, I would absolutely come back to it um, at, at some point. I'm not leaving for any other reason except for um, that there are some big things happening um, in programming and I want to be a part of them and selfishly I am doing going to do what makes me happy. Um, Thank you. I will answer all of the uh, emails and questions that I see coming in uh, as quickly as I can. And who's coming in next? Uh, Jeff Pickle. Jeff Pickle is coming in for Mike Farwell. So we have four more days together. Let's see what it brings. Thank you so much for reaching out and being kind uh, and wonderful uh, to me and also challenging me too. But again, you got four more, you got four more days to bring it. And so do I. So I'll see you tomorrow.